0: Welcome to the OmniTalk Fast Five, sponsored by Takeoff and the a and Consumer and Retail Group. The OmniTalk Fast Five is the funniest, fastest, and most fervently insightful breakdown of all the week's top news in the world of retail, and also the podcast with the best alliteration. It's July 15th, 2021. I'm your host, Anne Mazinga, and I am thrilled because I am joined today by somebody that I've followed very closely and been a huge fan of for a long time, Forester VP and Principal Analyst, Sucharita Kidali. Sucharita, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thank you so much, Anne, for having me. I am a big fan of the Omni Talks pod- podcast as well,
0: so I'm very excited for uh, being here today. Sucharita, how's your week going so far? What's What's been on deck this week for you? Has it been crazy? You're eating back into things after the Fourth of July. Oh, How's it, it going?
1: is. Well, there's the retail craziness. There's always um, some retail story or or another. Um, but then there's also the personal issues with just. <laughs> you know, I live in North Carolina, and the the summer is getting back to normal, and you know, nobody's wearing masks, and the kids are in their activities. So it's uh, there's there's just a lot going on.
0: Yeah, I, we were just kind of like talking before the show of just how crazy this summer feels like this with kids activities and getting thing, getting them back and forth to things. Um, and then this week in retail, like it kicked off pretty strong. There's a lot going on, you know, coming into this week. I think people were coming back from maybe taking a holiday week off. Um, and now now things are just booming like crazy. We got a lot to talk about today. So I'm excited sure. to get started on that. Um, so today... In- Fast Five, we are going to talk Sam's Club adding scan and ship, Apple launching their own version of Buy Now, Pay Later, 7-Eleven expanding mobile checkout to 3,000 stores, Nordstrom's exclusive partnership with ASOS, and we're going to take off with our very first headline. So headline number one, Instacart has named Facebook executive Fiji Simo as their next CEO. This is... Kicked off the week last week. Um, effective August 2nd, Simo will replace Instacart founder and current CEO, Apoorva Meta, who will transition to executive chairman of the board. Now, Simo was at Facebook for over a decade and was behind many of Facebook's biggest launches, including newsfeed, stories, groups, video, marketplace, gaming, news, data, sorry, dating. Ads and more. This woman has been behind some of the biggest things that Facebook has put out in the last uh, ten years plus. Um, Sujrita, what do you think of this?
1: You know, it is strange to me. I, you typically don't see a startup CEO being displaced this close to a potential IPO. Um, you do see startup CEOs um, being you know, replaced earlier in the cycle, but it seems strange. And I mean, there's so many questions I have. All right. I mean, why has it taken this long to go public? Like if they were really on fire for as long as they were, you know, kind of last year would have been a great time to do it. You know, I mean, there's so many other companies, like whether it's the Airbnb or DoorDash timing, right? I mean, those guys had the Our IPOs And like, why wasn't Instacart in that conversation as well? And they weren't. Um, you know, so so there are a lot of questions about that. Then all of the data I see from our side on online grocery really, really has um, does not show that the economics are any better, that, you know, the adoption is still um. You know, I think that there are a lot of questions around how many people are really using it and whether or not they're profitable customers. Um, And I think that that's probably part of the issue. Um, Is a new CEO going to solve their problems and lead them to a magical um, exit? I don't know. Um, You know, I'm
0: sure that's what their board is hoping. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I think you bring up a really good point because- you know, we know that the the money is not in being a third-party logistics or delivery provider. That is not going to be a, a profitable business. And I think that for me, it's, you know, there's, there obviously is value in being this this network of that has control of all of this customer data that brands want, and I think you are right. They are putting a lot of stock in saying that Facebook and this kind of community or marketplace that they are have been able to create that that is the way that they can be a profitable business. And you know they brought over Asha Sharma. She's been she came over from Facebook earlier in the year. She's leading as COO. So they're they're really bringing in this social this group of social media team members and experts saying that you know if we're going to be a profitable business it's not that retailers should be scared of us becoming our own retailer it's actually that retailers should be scared of us becoming this new kind of retailer that's more of a network of of you know data and brand advertising than it is like actually what bringing the, the groceries or whatever to the door of the consumer
1: I I am curious what's ultimately the play I mean you you'd mentioned um, you know do they become some kind of a community? community? Are they just this, um, you you know, kind of this uh, aggregator of advertising? Like what, you know, what's their, what is their play? Like what, it seems to me is that most grocers want to own their own data, right? And they don't want right. a third party um, disintermediating that, um, which means that white label grocery ends up being a solution. Um, you know, and that is why, I mean, Instacart bought this company, Unata, which is um, a grocery e-commerce platform, which would be that solution anyway. Um, but then it sort of leaves, you know, kind of Instacart. What? Do, where does that leave Instacart, right? I mean, right. like you know, kind of a grocery version of Shopify, but then they have the worst part of the e-com, you know, kind of cycle, you know, kind of the ecosystem, which is the fulfillment piece, right? Right. Which nobody really should want.
0: Right. Yeah. And, and how they, I mean, you're bringing up so many good points. Like there's still a lot of modeling that I think Instacart has to define. And, and, are these Facebook veterans the right people that are going to be able to build that whole comprehensive business model outside of that?
1: Totally on point. I mean, Facebook is like the least of the four big technology companies that has any strength in commerce, right? Um, So (laughs) to take their executives and put them in charge of a commerce business, I, you know, I mean, either they you know, kind of, they really, really are hoping that Instacart becomes something different, um, you know, or they they just got who they could get. Um, you know, it, just, it, it you know, totally is a head scratcher there.
0: I mean, to be a fly on the wall right now at Instacart in that boardroom and just trying to figure out what where they're going to go next or what the next moves are. Um, I, w- I would love to to be there and to, I'll, I'll be watching as many of us will in the retail industry to see where this goes next. Well, let's move on to headline number two. So Sam's Club announced Tuesday that they are expanding their Scan & Go app to include, scan, and ship functionality, allowing members to purchase and ship products directly to their homes. It's being tested in three stores, a club in Marietta, California, one in McKinney, Texas, and also at their Sam's Club Now store in Dallas. So for Sam's Club Plus members, shipping to the home is free, Eligible, el, eligible products include bulky items like mattresses and TVs, but they're also allowing members to use this for items that might be out of stock or if they want alternate colors and sizes that aren't available in the club that day. So members just scan and pay for all the items that they're taking home with them that day and that they're having shipped all in one transaction and um, that they're in and they're done. Sam's Club will roll this out to more stores and include more SKUs in the coming months. Now, Sucharita, this is also where a um, and Consumer and Retail Group, they put us on the spot each week. They throw in a question where we have to go in a little bit deeper dive and analysis, and they want us to answer this question as it relates to the Sam's Club story. Sam's Club is doubling down now on their position to offer convenience at a great price and presumably is, uh, is assuming here that the increased basket size will outweigh the cost and of the services of you know, delivering things directly to home. Like we were just talking about in that Instacart story. What do you think then this means for the future of the Sam's Club store footprint and the role of the physical Sam's Club store?
1: What does it mean for the stores? I think that, you know, kind of a greater portion of the selling floor probably ends up being these demo experiences. I mean, as it is probably like what, 20% of their stores, like stores and stores anyway, it's everything from like eyeglasses to pizza, Verizon, right? So why
0: not? I've never really thought about that as like stores and stores, but you're so right. Like it is, there is like a butcher and then there's like prescription drugs and uh, ice cream, soft (laughs) serve All in one magical spot. Um, Sujrita, are you a, are you a like Costco or warehouse club, Sam's club shopper? Like, oh, is yeah. that your idea of fun? Okay. <laughs> yes. You enjoy that. See, I am the opposite. So for me, I like, I, I tried to go to Costco. My son had a baseball game and I had to drop him off earlier and I was doing some store visits and I was like, let's just, I'll go into Costco. Like it's wait, a wait, Monday so night not
1: sucked in as like, Oh a- no.
0: I you know, cannot I stand it. I cannot stand it. Like I just get into the parking lot and my anxiety goes to like an 11. I can't do it. Um, I love Instacart doing delivery. Like I love the concept and the products that Sam's Club and Costco have. Like it's great. But that's what like this really tapped into to for me. Like people love this shopping experience. So I think that what this has done is this has removed the whole like I need a giant car to like bring all my bulk items home. I need like, there's just, it's too big of, of there's too much of things. Like I'm not going to have a place to store it. I think that this is really opening up Sam's club to a new consumer, because I think you can put this footprint if they wanted to again. Yes, there's cost implications, but I think they could go smaller format. If I can take like the subway or mass transit now to a Sam's club, I still get to have that convenient experience. I still get access. Access to discounted products. I get a cheaper mattress or TV or whatever it happens to be that day. But I don't have to worry about the logistics. I mean, that eliminates Sam's Club or these warehouse clubs from a lot of people who live in urban or more dense settings. That eliminates them as a as a retailer for them altogether. And so I think that now that you're giving me, like you said, this you know showroom experience, I still like a lot of people enjoy that shopping experience. Everybody loves getting a deal. Like, doesn't matter if you're you know. A budget conscious family, or you know, you're a, a person in the ritzy suburbs who's still going to Costco or Sam's Club to buy your leaf bags. Like, oh yeah. People love people love the deal. They love the samples. So I think that this is actually much bigger than just being able to ship from store. It's having a, like Sam's Club has been really smart. They've always been forward thinking as far as their tech in store is concerned. But now you're giving people a frictionless experience in a in a warehouse club and another reason to be a Sam's Club member, so I am so in on this. Um, I think the the only thing for me, and I asked on the um, on the call that they did with the, the news teams earlier this week when they made the announcement, they are not shipping from store in all cases here. So to your point, Sushrita, I think you have to wait potentially for that mattress. This isn't going to be like a, I order it today and we're shipping it to my house in two hours. This is definitely going to be a, I'm, I came to look at the mattress and I'm going to get it in, you know, five to seven business days or whatever. So. interesting, Yeah. So I think, you know, we'll see, but I love that you're, I love that you're an all in uh, warehouse club member. Do you have any favorite items or, uh or like, what are you, what do you have to get when you go to this spot?
1: Oh gosh. I mean, our, our, our big driver is always like paper towels, right? (laughs) Paper towels, like Kleenex, right. And, (laughs) and then everything else is like, you know, we'll get the granola bars and the, you know, kind of the leggings and, you know, like a book, uh, you know, when we're there too. So (laughs) my gosh, everything. The other thing. So the one thing I have to say about Sam's Club that I, I, you know, I don't know how much of the successes they actually port over to Walmart, but that that seems to me like the big win is that if this works at Sam's Club, it seems like it would be easy enough to to take over to to Walmart, even for like seasonal products or what whatever. Totally, they, they have such a rich store footprint. You know, when you look at the full full chain, um, the other thing is, as you were talking, you know, what this really is is like taking the best parts of IKEA you know, and, um, you know, kind of bringing it into your, you know, kind of into into your way of doing business. I mean, but I think that what we've even learned about Ikea is that it's the same car problem, right? I mean, <laughs> people, that's why they bought TaskRabbit. That's why they have like in every store, this delivery and installation business that you can pay extra for. And, um, you know, they're removing that point of friction. And I- right. You know, Absolutely right. I mean, whether I mean, this doesn't need to even be an urban strategy. I mean, this is something that applies to the suburbs, totally. students, just about anybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I'm I'm really excited to see where this goes. And they are so fast, um, you know, just out their prototyping to delivery to customer is is like nothing I've ever seen. Um, we did an interview with their CTO, Venod um, that's on our Talk site right now. But they are just slick. I mean, they're really and I think an admirable retailer, one of the best in class when we start to talk about omni-channel retail right now. Um, well, we can't we we have to talk about uh, one of the other. Biggest retailers in the world, Apple. Um, They partnered with Goldman Sachs this week and they are creating something they're calling. Apple Pay Later. The new service uh, called Apple Pay Later will allow consumers to pay for any Apple Pay purchase and installments over time. This just blows me away. When a user makes a purchase via Apple Pay on their Apple device, they'll have the option to pay for it either across four interest-free payments made every two weeks, similar to the other uh, buy now, pay later, later providers, or across several months with interest, similar to a credit card. And the interest rates have not yet been released for that option, um, but those are expected to be coming out here as they roll this out in the next couple of months. And you can register for this service. All you need is an ID with the iPhone wallet app. It does not require running a credit check. Uh, Suturita, I I read this and I was like, this is uh this is a game changer. This is when buy now pay later goes mainstream as far as I'm concerned. Um I am concerned about the impact that this may have on our society and what people are going to start doing with, you know, Apple Pay being accepted at 85% of retailers and becoming this, you know, pretty ubiquitous form of payment for a lot of people. But what are your thoughts about this?
1: So it's going to work I assume for online and offline transactions. Correct. And when you fire up that you want to pay with Apple pay, they, there should be some sort of deferred billing messaging at that point of the transaction. Is that the way it works?
0: Really good question. Um, from what I understand, yes, it will work similarly to how you know you go to the checkout right now and maybe you'd see a firm at the checkout. and you can cl- you can select to do that in the installment payments or just pay as you know I want Apple pay for the full transaction or I want you know, four installments through Apple Pay later, or I want, you know, to do this via credit card.
1: The, this deferred billing space is like hotter than ever. I've I've been covering it for a number of years and did a ton of work with um, Bill Me Later, which was one of the first Deferred billing, oh. e-commerce, years and years ago, and um, you know, kind of saw it through its cycle of being acquired by PayPal. And we've done so many studies with um, their merchants and consumers. Um, so, so here's the deal: so deferred billing, you're absolutely right, is is kind of a home run. Like everybody should should have it. There's no excuse to not. It's it's such a big driver of conversion. The other piece is. To have it at the point of transaction is also super, super key. And if you can embed it into the retailer's um, transaction funnel, whether it's online or offline, like for instance, if a merchant were to say to you, you know, if it's a cashier, would you like to have, you know, kind of interest free for two months or whatever, that would make a big difference. But if the consumer, has to pull out the Apple Pay, which not very many consumers do, according to our data, um, you know, and that's the point at which they see it. I think that it may not be the big game changer that, um, you know, Apple may, may hope. So that's that's my
0: my assessment. Yeah, I think that's a fair point. It, it is still, you know, while so many retailers do accept it, I think it's still the, the adoption is still needs to increase to for Apple to get the return on this that they're probably thinking. I do think though that, you know, making this one seamless transaction, it's not another app. It's something that Many many people have already on their phone. It's just going to be getting them to go ahead and use it. But uh, but if there's a chance to do it, I think I think this could be this could be a great run for for Apple's uh, Apple's portfolio. Yeah um, yeah
1: for sure for sure I, yeah. And I'm curious um, you know
0: kind of you know kind
1: of which merchants um, you know they may have more success with or types true. of merchants. I mean one of the things that I think has been really interesting in watching this deferred billing space is that um, the earlier versions were really, really um, successful in sectors like travel, right? Like, you know, you could buy a $500 plane ticket and, you know, pay for it interest free over 12 months or whatever. And what um, Afterpay, even Klarna, um, and definitely a firm have done is I feel that they have lowered the price points. They've made it like, you know, you can use these deferred billing solutions to buy a skirt or, or whatever the case may be that. And they've they've brought in a lot of younger consumers in into this fold as well. Um, which also begs the question that you had alluded to earlier, which is what does this do to society? And is this just adding to the debt that millennials already have? Um, which is which is a very fair question.
0: Let's move on to headline number four. So 7-Eleven has expanded mobile checkout to more than 3,000 stores in 31 states and Washington, D.C. Customers can scan items in the store using their 7-Eleven mobile app. They pay in the app, and then they just scan a QR code uh, at the confirmation station on their way out, and they're done. 7-Eleven expects that they will expand mobile checkout to all stores by 2022. Sujarita, what are your thoughts on this? Do you like waiting in line at convenience stores? I think this is like there is no reason at all we should ever be waiting in lines at these places anymore. But what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, no, I, um, you know, kind of the, the whole mobile checkout boom, I, you know, love it. No problems with it. You know, Walmart, put it in with Walmart plus i mean, they actually had it long before in different pilots um, you know, obviously the Sam's club um, you, you know, kind of experience that, that they're talking about Starbucks. My concern with seven 11 and, and this sort of is like, you know, kind of, um, you, you know, kind of it dovetails with the previous Apple story, too, which is that they are writing um, Apple Pay and Google Pay and, you know, kind of trying to use these other digital wallet solutions. And if I were in their shoes, if I was the executive in charge of this. I think they need to do what Starbucks does, which is that you need to have, you know, kind of a closed loop card where it is your 10, you know, kind of basically your gift card that is the way that consumers pay. And they, you know, right. you know, you can, you know, kind of they go back below a certain threshold, it gets auto-reloaded because that's the way you get stickiness and that's the way that you keep the data. I am a huge, huge skeptic. And I try to discourage any merchant from getting more embedded with any of the four large tech companies if they can avoid it. There are right. ultimately no good that is going to come to you in the long term from doing this. And they the terms and conditions of the arrangements with them can change at any point. And you're going to be left with that as a problem if you don't anticipate it now. And that even raises questions about, you know, kind of how healthy is it to even have, you know, kind of an app strategy that you're dependent on too, um, which raises other questions of what they should be doing from a lobbying and a regulation and a rule standpoint, which retailers totally have their heads in the sand about. But, um, you know, kind of that gets, you know, that's a whole other conversation. But even getting back to this now. If 7-Eleven were to force you to, um, you know, pay with a 7-Eleven gift card, I would say thumbs up. This is awesome. This is just like Starbucks, Um, but they're not. And therefore, I just think, you know, I mean, it it, it helps probably reduce their friction, but they're, you know, kind of basically um, opening the key, you know, giving the keys to their kingdom potentially to, you know, companies that can be threats to them.
0: Wow, that is a that is like an angle that you're right. I I don't think a lot of people are thinking about for sure. It's for us it was, you know, from, in my mind it's 100% about just how do you make it more convenient for the shopper? Right. And um and I think those are a lot of really important points for retailers to consider. They are allowing you to allowing customers to come in and put like hard cash onto a card so that they are able to use this feature. But I think that you're right. Like there could be further benefits of you know having people preload like the Starbucks card in order to spend this, and and it makes you know more sense from a loyalty and adoption standpoint too. Um, and and that's something that I think yes, Seven Eleven. We know that we have some people listening um, from there on this podcast. So a really really good point by Sucharita there. All right, well, let's get to headline number five. We'll close it up with this one. Nordstrom has acquired a minority interest in four apparel brands owned by UK fast fashion group, ASOS. Nordstrom and ASOS will share ownership of Topshop, Topman, Miss Selfridge, and hit brands that typically target younger shoppers in their 20s. I kind of don't agree with that I've definitely got some top shop items so maybe I need to uh you in. look so
1: young and I, mean, I, I, you I you oh, so think like 25
0: yeah for sure that's what I tell myself and everybody's like she's wearing a top shop and she's almost 40 um Nordstrom will also become the only brick and mortar presence for these brands worldwide and shoppers will be able to pick up and return all asos items in the Nordstrom and Nordstrom rack stores. Sutrita, I I know you posted on this one. Um, what are your thoughts on on this partnership?
1: Nordstrom is a um, is a great brand. It is uh, you know it has set the standards for so much of experiential retail. What's quality retail? Um, but at the same time for, I think a number of factors that are macroeconomic, not related necessarily to Nordstrom, um, it's been a company that in recent years has struggled and, um, you know, the pandemic certainly didn't help them. Their, their numbers have, have not even, I think, paced, um, retail, um, or, you know, kind of certainly not a number of their, their competitors. And, um, I think that ASOS is a younger, um, you know, digitally native brand. Um, its growth rates have been in the double digits, um, healthy double digits, at least for for fashion. And that's really what what we're seeing here is that. You have a brand which is, I, you know, some would argue is mature, um, acquiring, um, you know, a significant stake in, in a brand that is in that still has headroom and, you know, kind of growth ahead of it. Um, I think it's great. It's like PetSmart and Chewy, you know, I mean, it yeah. works, uh, you know, kind of if that's where the energy is and that's where the shopper is going, um, go there. It's it's really, really smart. Um, I also think one thing that that hasn't been called out a ton is that ASOS is UK primarily, um, you know, kind of overseas. Um, They've been trying to get a foothold in the United States. But I think the vast majority of their their revenue still still comes from from um, non-North American markets, whereas Nordstrom is entirely North American. It's U.S. and Canada. So I think that this gives Nordstrom a way to. get international data really that they didn't hmm. get before and to have a foothold in an in international market um, That's a great... number of international markets that they didn't they didn't have before without the risk of launching physical stores um, so so in many and you know kind of internationalization is one of the best ways to grow if you can um, you know, over time, you know, when you look at how have retailers grown, it is you know new brands, new product categories, new markets, and um, you know, and it's it's hard to do any one of those, but if you can acquire your way to that. More power to you.
0: it's really helping Nordstrom like build this bigger empire and get beyond the North america and and really start to think about the locations that they can try, the u k. being a natural one with this partnership, I think, and some of the other partnerships that they have. You know, I, I was a little hesitant to include this story in the fast five this week because we've been talking about Nordstrom quite a bit. They just, you know, part did the partnership with Indochino rolling that out to more stores. And I think that this is, it's really smart because Nordstrom needs to get that younger shopper in there. They've got a solid base right now of, you know, the older millennials, Gen Xers and boomers. But I think that, you know, this ASOS partnership, Topshop has been in there for a while and has performed really well for them. But I think that having this ASOS partnership as a way to bring in that next consumer to just get them in the doors. I think that's all that Nordstrom has to do is get them in the doors. And then they see, they're one of the few department stores, in my opinion, that can still actually provide a a great all-around department store experience. And they just need to keep bringing that that client in to get them accustomed to, you know I'm returning my ASOS package here, but maybe I see something in the juniors department that I like. picking up another item and then maybe I get into fragrance or cosmetics and then maybe I you know bring my partner in and they get something in or or I'm coming in for a wedding now to do my my Indochino suit fitting like I think that they they just need to get that hook and this is a great hook for them well Sujerita, that wraps us up it's time for our rapid fire questions are you ready I'm ready let's go First question. Kraft this week announced new mac and cheese flavored ice cream. Sucharita, please tell me that is not your favorite ice cream flavor. What is your go-to ice cream flavor? You
1: can't even find the Kraft mac and cheese ice cream. I mean, you know, it's like sold out. So my favorite, so I I am Indian, so
0: I have to say mango kulfi. Encourage everybody in the world to try
1: it if you haven't.
0: Oh, I will try that. Where do I find it? Because it sounds delightful.
1: Well, you have to go, you it's not mainstream yet. It's more in like Indian grocery stores, but you know, kind of, they have popsicles, okay. they'll have ice cream and, you know, pint jar jugs and you know, cartons, it's, it's, it's good.
0: That sounds like an upgrade from my go-to cookies and cream flavor. So I will be looking for that, uh, immediately after this podcast. (laughs) Um, okay. Next question. YouTube star and nine-year-old Ryan Kaji of Ryan's toy review released a line of sneakers with Skechers this week that they will market to Ryan's 30 million YouTube subscribers, making the nine-year-old even more than his current estimated worth of $35 million. If you got to partner Suturita on your own line, of shoes, which brand would you choose to partner with? Oh my gosh,
1: and I mean this is kind of embarrassing because I wouldn't be of any help to any brand. It would be like, you know, kind of the exposure would be like maybe my 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 10 Twitter followers. Um so so that, that I don't know that that would be that great. I would love to work with Nike. I love Nike. I love everything about them as a brand and as a business. So I, you know, I'd have to say Nike. But I'm also fascinated by, you know, kind of these diffusion lines of, you know, these like other performance brands. So I would actually love to do something with porsche i think porsche should have a shoe
0: Ooh! oh oh i like it what what kind of shoe are we talking here like is this like a dress shoe like a sneaker do, like i think it would have to be um
1: you know i think it would have to be streetwear don't you think i think that- yeah you know, I, I I see it as streetwear. I see it as performance streetwear, um, you know, kind of like that Nike shoe that helps you run faster. Like, you know, that that's, that's kind of innovation that I'm, I'm envisioning.
0: Okay. I love this. I love this. I think we should just like start napkin sketching immediately. Um, we can send (laughs) it to Porsche. Um, okay. Next question. UK based meal kit company Gusto partnered with Spotify this week to suggest the best recipe for your mood based on the music you've been listening to. If they were to ask what playlist you to last night to determine a dinner recipe for you. What playlist would that be, Sushri? Oh my
1: gosh, and this is like an embarrassing confession. I am not really a music person. So I mean, like when I listen, it's like you know I torture my kids with NPR and you know kind of make them you know kind of listen to that. I'll listen to like you know kind of Bloomberg Radio, Wharton Radio. It's like the nerdiest you know
0: kind of. But yes, that's that's what I listen. To. That's my playlist. You know. The next question, the famed disco Kroger in Atlanta, Georgia, is closing. The grocery store shared a parking lot with the renowned Limelight Disco Club, had their own disco ball in the store, and even a disco deli that was a well-loved locale for late-night noshing. What... Susharita, is your go-to guilty pleasure snack at the grocery store? So if you're going to
1: go to the grocery store for mango coffee, I would, the Indian grocery store, I also recommend going to the snack aisle because Indian people have some of the best spicy snacks. Um, Checkaloo, get
0: Checkaloo. They are awesome. What is Checkaloo?
1: Oh, so they're like literal fried rice um, crisps. It's like Indian Oh is the way that Indian people will often describe them. They too are delicious.
0: That sounds amazing. But Be- better than Twizzlers, my go-to uh, <laughs> late night snack. <laughs> One more question for you. Levi Strauss saw a 156% revenue lift in this last quarter, which they attribute to people going out shopping for new clothes post-pandemic, but also because they claimed they were ahead of the trend, offering the popular loose fit denim styles before anyone else. Sucharita, what clothing trend do you most wish would come back in style? Bell bottoms, definitely
1: bell bottoms. I think that they can be very very flattering when when worn in a, you know, without too wide of a of a of a bottom, but you know, kind of like a nice flare. Yes, that's uh, I think
0: I think that would be perfect for Disco Kroger. You could wear the wear your bell bottoms into Disco Kroger.
1: But it's not there anymore and so no. No, we no. have to maybe bring back a disco
0: Kroger. You'll, and... you'll have to make the the Kroger in North Carolina a disco Kroger. Just put your <laughs> bell bottoms on, walk in, and name it. This is new. This is Sucharita's disco Kroger. Well, with the Porsche uh, um, performance shoes. With the Porsche performance shoes, you gotta you gotta have a little heel on those so that they show up under the bell button. Well, they sure. Now they're having heels on their, you know, on the, on the street wear shoes now, right? Yes. 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 We, again, napkin sketch immediately following this podcast. Um, Sue thank you so much for being with us today. If people want to follow your work at Forrester, um, they want to follow you on Twitter. What's the best place for them to do that?
1: Uh, so Twitter is, you can just probably Google me to find me on Twitter. Um, just Sucharita Kadali, or it's actually my maiden name is the Twitter handle, which is Esmol Peru. Um, and also LinkedIn. I, I, post a lot on LinkedIn too. So
0: either of those and, um, hope to, to see everybody at one of those places wonderful thank you so much that wraps us up this week happy birthday to one of the 90210 hunks who would actually have preferred to be known as a rapper if you watch the documentary on punky brewster's life uh instead of an actor that is brian austin green and another actress who also would prefer to be known as a singer Brigitte nielsen happy birthday to both of them today and remember if you can only read or listen to one retail blog in the business make it omni Talk. our fast five podcast is the quickest fastest rundown of all the week's top news and our twice weekly e-newsletter tells you the top five things you need to know each day and also features special content exclusive to us and just for you and all within the preview pane of your inbox. You can sign up today at omni Thanks as always for listening in. And please remember to like or leave us a review wherever you happen to listen to your podcasts or on YouTube. And of course, be careful out there. The Omnitalk Fast Five is brought to you with the help and support of the a and Consumer and Retail Group. The a Consumer and Retail Group is a management consulting firm that tackles the most complex challenges and advances its clients, people, and communities toward their maximum potential. CRG brings the expertise, tools, and operator-like pragmatism to help retailers and consumer products companies be on the right side of disruption. And Takeoff. Takeoff is transforming grocery by empowering grocers to thrive online. The key is micro-fulfillment, small robotic fulfillment centers that can be leveraged at a hyper-local scale. Takeoff also offers a robust software suite so grocers can seamlessly integrate the robotic solution into their existing businesses. To learn more, visit Takeoff.com.